0: What is the best gluten-free pie that you can have? I'm Angela from Gluten-Free Angela and I'm going to be sharing exactly what the best pies have been this week. Gluten-free and pies, you don't normally get that in the same conversation, do you? Or certainly not the same sentence. However, this week I have been creating. So what have my favourite pies been? Well, all will be revealed on today's podcast So, I don't know about you, the one thing I love when it starts to change from summer to winter is having wonderful pies. And that's something that we always used to create when I was younger. And um, going gluten-free, you think, oh dear. Well, anyway, a couple of shows ago, I shared what my favourite pastries were. And in case you didn't listen to them, listen to them on that show... It was actually Sue's gluten-free pastry. It's frozen. It's great. You can just use it straight from the freezer. There's a normal one and there's an almond one that I've never actually tried yet. And I also use the Morrison's one. However, sometimes I do go in the kitchen and I do make my own pastry. And when I do that, there is a little secret. And here is the secret the secret to making beautiful gluten-free pastry, and it works with a lot of the recipes out there, and i will show my, my own recipes eventually, is to actually grate the, or grater, grate the butter or the margarine that you're using, the block margarine. I don't suggest using the soft margarines, but if you've got nothing else, just go ahead and use it. And I tend to find that what happens then is you get these tiny little pockets, and that's tiny little pockets of fat in in that whole mixture, the pastry mix, and something incredible happens when you get that. Because of the lightness of the flours that you're using, I just find that if you put in lumps of lard or butter or whatever you're using... It doesn't really combine and the way to get a much lighter, flakier, shorter pastry is to grate it. So there you go, there is my secret to my own pastry when I actually make it. So I do make gluten-free pastry and uh, another little tip as well, I always find that recipes that have an egg in them, work really well. <laughs> so, grating the butter or the margarine and also putting an egg in them really seems to help combine and make it crispy and short and light and lovely. However, it's not just about pastries today. It's also about what pies we can make. So, look at this week. The reason I thought this week's podcast is going to be about pies is because I went into a shop and i bought a joint of beef and there was another little joint of beef sitting there so i decided to get that one as well and i thought i will do something with it i didn't quite know what i was going to do with it so we had the beef one evening and we had a lovely sunday dinner midweek actually and then i thought oh what shall i do with this small joint of beef i thought i know i will make a lovely steak pie so Here is the quick tip to making a steak pie. If you've got a cooker, and I don't use mine very often, I must say. However, when I want to cook beef, I do use a slow cooker. So here's my tips, okay? And I do do this a little bit differently to most people. So um, I cut two onions into thickish pieces and put them on the bottom. Put in some herbs, just mixed herbs, about, about one and a half teaspoons of herbs. Put in some black pepper as well and about three bay leaves. I always try and get a lot of bay leaves in there. And what I did was I put the whole joint in. Now, a lot of people when they're making a pie will cut them into chunks, but I don't. So anyway, I stu- I, I just put a little bit of salt and pepper on the outside of the joint and stuck it in there covered it in water and that was it i left it to boil for a little while and and the thing is you've got salt and pepper in there there's a little bit of water and the beef will just take some of that that in there now if you want to put in a stock cube you can do it was quite a it wasn't a really big thick joint it was quite a flat little joint if you know what I mean so it didn't need much water to cover it but because the herbs were there it's like fine and I left that to cook for a few hours and you really need to have a look at the the weight but I just tend to put it on high get the thing hot and then what I will do is I will turn it down but I always cook a joint for about six hours and then I just let it cool down. And then the following day, I took it out of the, the stock, the water, etc. As I said, I'd only put, only put like onion in there. If you've got other things, you know, stick it in there. You can put a few, a couple of carrots, a little bit of celery. It's entirely up to you. But this is just what I did because it was what was there. So then I peeled off, the the fat and the fat will render down and it will put juices and flavoring into that stock that's now in there so i i I took that off the the joint and i cut it into big one to two inch chunks now it's cold because it's had time to sort of cool down overnight so anyway this made some big chunks of meat and then what i did was i got all of that stock and put it into a pan and i actually let it boil up and this is the trick okay in gluten free world there's so many little tricks and things that make our life easy so what i use to make gravy and that's what we're doing now we're making a gravy aren't we together this beautiful steak and a pie and i use gravy salt it's under a pound for a little box and it will last you forever the supermarket that i find it in is in morrison's just look gravy salt it's been around for about well, probably not 100 years but a long long time and it's just incredible. Gravy salt is really, really good stuff. Um, and it's so underrated. People use stock cubes. When you're buying stock cubes, or when are you like you can't use all of them, can you? Um, you don't actually know what's in them. And this stuff is just really, really good. So gravy salt, um, I'm just gonna double-check when it actually came to light. It's Compton's Gravy Salt. I'm not too sure how long it's been going, uh, but there's salt, cornflour, caramel in there. That's it. And uh, I have checked a couple of times, it's gluten-free. So that's what I use. I keep checking, you know, every year or so, just to make sure that it's still gluten-free. And what I do is I start to sprinkle some of that into that stock, and what it will do is you've got the the juice from the meat in there you've also got the the flavorings of the herbs the salt the pepper and the bay leaves what you're then going to do is add this gravy salt into it and it will start to brown it and keep tasting so you crumble a little bit off into the into the stock that you're making and we're going to turn that into a gravy so when that's Starts to get to the taste that you actually want be careful because it is gravy salt so you don't want to keep adding and adding because then you'll just have too much salt in there and when you get to the taste that you actually like what you're going to do then is you're going to get the corn flour out and you're going to add a couple of teaspoons of corn flour now i don't know how much stock you've got there um, but just use it so it, it creates a really thick gravy and then the final thing that i do final thing that i do so i've got the consistency that i want then just to make it look a little bit more like normal gravy i get some milk out of the fridge if you don't want to use cow's milk you can use another milk and put a couple of splashes of milk in there they sound like what you put in tea and it just changes it from that dark clear watery gloop that we're always served up something that looks really nice um so keep adding a little a a little touch more milk and suddenly it will look a really nice color so what you want to do then is let that gravy cool okay so then we're gonna get the i don't know if you're from up north or not but up north we have this saying of a to die and you use something like a tin enamel plate, or it may be a plate that goes in the oven, but you will put pastry on the bottom of the plate, and you put that in in just to start to cook the base of the pastry. So you might want to put baking beans on, on the top. If you want to use a pie tin, you can do, but I really like plated pies so anyway it's up to you which one you use it's entirely up to you so then i took it out of the oven let it cool down and then i put all these big chunks of beef on there on this plated pie then i put the cooled gravy on top of that and then i put another layer of beautiful pastry on top now with your pastry when it's on top, make sure you crimp around the edges. You don't have to, just so that it's sealed. But do put a knife through the top so the steam can escape. If not, you'll just end up with this huge, great, um, well, a balloon within <laughs> the pastry where the air is trying to get out. So do make sure that you just put a hole in the top of the pie And then cook that for about half an hour. And you just want it to be on a a medium heat, 160, 180. It depends on your oven. Every oven's different. So just be relaxed about this. But honestly, I suddenly realised how often do we go past something that's reduced or something that's more of a scrag end. You know, we only have to look at scrag end of um, lamb. And all of these cuts, every so often, you get a real good deal on them. And I made the most delicious beef pie that we had for two meals. And it was delicious, absolutely delicious. It was big chunks. And when I compared it to a pie that I bought online, it was a medium pie, which is quite a small pie, actually. It was only about a centimetre deep. It was fine. It tasted nice, but honestly, the beef inside, it was tiny, tiny, tiny chunks. And honestly, that pie was out of this world. I think the the beef probably cost me about five pounds. Then I've got the pastry that cost me about three pounds. Then I've got a couple of onions, which were just in the bottom of the fridge. I've got a little bit of gravy salt. I've got a little bit of water. I've got some bay leaves, got some herbs. So, to put that together to make an incredible big pie that does you for two big meals, I don't think was bad. And you know what? When it comes up to Christmas, you will, as you walk around, you will find that there will be offers things going close to the sell by date things that you get a little bit of a bargain on and uh, this was one of those things i just saw this lonely tiny little um joint that's not actually big enough to do a proper joint you know for a dinner i thought that would be a little bit small so let me try and convert it into a pie and honestly it was it was enough i had thought do i need to put some potatoes in there to fill it out but no it was absolutely delicious so we had The first, what I will say, steak pie of autumn. No, it's Easter then. We're not quite Easter, are we? Uh, But of autumn, and when it comes to autumn and pies, there's nothing quite like it. So anyway, we had our first pie, but that wasn't it because then I went on, and I popped into a a shop I've never been in before. Now this door is in one of the neighboring towns to where i live and there are a lot of shops there where people come from around the world and this was a hungarian oh it's a hungarian shop it was more like a hungarian deli i went in and there was all this beautiful fresh bread of course i can't touch any of it there was like alcohol there were fresh vegetables There were the most beautiful Big, 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 big apples. There was a little bit of frozen section at the back. And as I looked and in that frozen section, suddenly my eyes just popped out on stalks. Because they're sitting in the most beautiful little squares. Honestly, the most beautiful little squares were these um cherries it's a little box 300 grams of cherries um and it just says that they're from the eu but this was amazing so anyway what i would say is go in have a look at the what you can get and the reason why i absolutely love these were they're sour cherries and as i got to the the counter the till to pay she says, they're, they're sour cherries. I says, yes, I know. I love them. And we don't have many sour cherries in the UK. It's more of a, a European delicacy. So the fact I got these, they're frozen. There are some pips in them as well, some some of the in the middle. So do be careful. But what I did was I just used one pack. I actually bought two packs, but I used one pack, exactly the same. I like, put the pastry in the pie tin and then with the cherries what I did was I popped them in a pan to heat them up now if you want to make sure there isn't uh, there isn't a stone in there what you need to do is just put a knife through every single cherry to see if the pips of if the stones are gone for me because it was all adults eating it I wasn't really bothered to just warn people before if there's any stones (laughs) be careful with your teeth um, and you can decide which camp you're on. Do you, do do you take every single pip out of the cherries or not? I think it's quite nice and quite nice little discovery. So anyway, put them in a, a little pan, heated them up gen- gently, and then I put three teaspoons of corn flour in. To you'll have to gauge how much liquid is in there. Now for me, it took about three teaspoons, and I of corn flour just to get a beautiful rich thick syrup because I didn't want water I wanted to create the juice and then I put in only and this is because I love the sourness of the cherries and I don't want to make them overly sweet so I put about one and a half teaspoons of of a golden sugar in there and just let that mix together. So suddenly it went from having a syrup like water on there, just a juice, to having a thick syrup sauce. And also there was a little bit of sweetness in the in the sauce. So this was one pack. 300 grams of frozen sour cherries now i know that you can get cherries all over the place but i was just so excited that these were sour cherries and exactly the same as the the steak pie we're just going to make a pie and we're going to put actually another little secret for you i did actually change this i didn't do it exactly the same so what i actually did was put the the pastry on the bottom of the plate I then put it in the oven to heat. I put my my baking beans on there, just to stop it uh, all puffing up. But then when I took it out and I was ready to put this juice in, I I let the pastry go cold, first of all. And the reason for that is you don't want hot and cold. And if you put hot on top of hot, I find when it goes into the oven, I'm not a great fan of it. So I tend to bake all of my pies that I let the pie crust go cold. I let the filling go cold and then everything going into that oven, the the base, the middle and the topping are all cool. So everything's got to start to get to the right temperature to cook. And if the base and the middle are hot and you then put a cold topping on you're trying to heat the you're trying to bake the top of the pie and it's really easy for the top of the pie not to be quite cooked so that's why i do it that way so we've got the i've allowed like the the pastry base to cool down i've then added a sprinkling no more than a teaspoon of ground rice and the reason why i use ground rice is if it gets too moist in there it will start to soak up the moisture so i just put some cherries all the cherries on the middle and then put the topping on there and i then put it into 160 180 into the oven remember to cut a hole in the top so just to prick it with a knife so that all of that heat can can get out of the pie It was absolutely delicious. Now, you can put an egg wash on top. You can sprinkle some caster sugar on top. All of them are lovely. But I just wanted pure pastry and pure sour cherries. And it was lovely. The pastry was not sweet. The sour cherries weren't sweet. But what I did do was put lashings, and I mean lashings, of custard on top it was absolutely incredible so when we all had a piece of this pie and we had the pie last night I found one stone my mum found two stones and my hubby found three stones (laughs) so that's quite amusing but this is what we did this is what I've done in the last few days as we're going into autumn and you know what we have to stop being snobby about pastry and uh, having to make everything ourselves because we don't have to make everything ourselves do we so that's why I have that in my freezer all the time just in case I need to make pastry because if I have an idea I want to do it there and then if I have to make it then put it in the fridge for an hour to chill before I, I just find it so much easier it's actually a lot easier to roll out one thing that i will say is you still do have to use two layers of grease proof to roll anything out so when it comes to pastry gluten-free world it's gonna be so sticky it's not like normal pastry but you put your one layer of um grease proof paper then you put your pastry on it then you put another layer and then you start to roll it out it will crack, it will flop, it doesn't matter. It's more pliable. It's not like gluten pastry where you've got to be really careful how you handle it. This stuff, you can re-roll and re-roll and re-roll, it'll be fine. <laughs> so anyway, that's what we did last week. So I was just so excited when I found these sour cherries. And and I do think in, in the UK, which is where I'm based, we don't actually celebrate cherries enough we just don't you know if you go out somewhere there'll be apple pie apple crumble for the gluten people if you're lucky enough to have a gluten-free restaurant you may have the the gluten-free stuff there it tends to be apple and rhubarb very very rarely do we see cherries out there so it was just so exciting for me to make a cherry pie and you know it doesn't stop there think about when you ate gluten and you could make a pie a beautiful almond frangipani plant you can do that again stick some sour cherries in there it will be out of this world it really will be because if you as long as you're using a ready rolled a packet pastry and the two i mentioned before are sue's frozen pastry morrison's packet pastry these are the ones that i use that resemble resemble proper pastry you know that other people are happy to eat as well so these are the ones that i actually like and uh they're they're really 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 quite exciting really quite exciting because then as you get an idea if, if you think oh treacle tart um i've got some we can use our own breadcrumbs our gluten-free breadcrumbs up if that's what you want to do and have a go if you want to make a bakewell tart you can do because all of the things that we used to make we can still make we just have to know what to use so pastry was always i always found that pastry was just as hard as nails It wasn't flaky, it wasn't rich, it didn't taste nice, it it didn't taste buttery, but you can put a beautiful egg egg wash on top of anything. You can sprinkle some if you're making an apple pie, sprinkle a little bit of cinnamon and sugar on top of the egg wash, it just transforms it. And you can still do all of these things. There's a lot, and I mean a lot of bad pastry out there, and I think I've tried most of them. And and there's some that i've just thrown straight in the bin it might taste okay but it looks awful or some look okay tastes awful it's just these are the ones that i've settled on that i'm happy for now but do you know what if you if, if you really fancy a cherry pie and you don't and you think but i can't get to one of those shops or they're not around me so, do you know what something that i will definitely say there are some of the more economical supermarkets that have very, very great relations with um, some of the European countries. And when you go into them, you can always find a jar of beautiful cherries in a syrup. Use them. Go to the frozen sections. You will find cherries frozen. Why not use them? They're absolutely amazing. And something, another little thing, go into your tinned fruit aisle. You might find something called a black cherry filling. (coughs) They're not bad. And the other thing as well, you can top, put them, top a cheesecake with them. So for so long, we've had to have boring, bland stuff. And that doesn't need to be anymore. So I really do like the, uh, it says fillings and toppings on it. And it's really interesting. The number of places I've gone to and they will have a gluten-free cheesecake and they will offer me a plain cheesecake, one with mandarin or one with cherries. And I know that the mandarins are out of a tin on top of a cheesecake. That's fine. And I know that the cherry one, is it's the pie filling that they put on top. I call that brilliant it's ingenious you're giving me choices thank you so much restaurants for having a chef there that actually thinks about how can we vary this how can we make it so that the person who comes in here every week <laughs> and orders the cheesecake the gluten-free cheesecake can have a bit of variety so thank you I take my hats off to you and you can do this at home so you can get gluten-free cheesecakes out there and you can make them as well and I will be sharing some recipes that I use some cheesecakes oh my word are incredible but do they take a long time to cook those are the ones that I call the cheat style which are actually really good get some um cherry pie filling um Pop that on top. Get some tin mandarins because they taste lovely. It's not always about taking a beautiful mandarin, peeling it and putting it on top of a cheesecake. Sometimes we do actually want it out of the tin. So these are some things that I do. And, And if you can't be bothered to cook, you can't be bothered to do the whole pastry thing. I'll tell you the best pie that's on the market. And this is the best pie that's out there by far and this is something it's Kirsty's luxury apple pie there's two of them in a box they're not cheap they're over three pound for two pieces but oh my god they're worth every penny and more absolutely every penny and more it's not like a normal pie because the pastry is just on the bottom it's deep filled it's chunky it's delicious I know there's a lot in the range that's the one thing that I buy absolutely incredible so Just because we are gluten-free, it does not mean that we can't have fantastic pies. We are in autumn. We're now in September. I know that we're going to have apples next month. We're going to have beautiful things coming through. Winter. How about those mince meat mince pies? Mince meat pies. We've got to be careful again because the suet that is often used in mincemeat meat is rolled in wheat flour and that's why we can't have mince pies and whilst supermarkets and shops are a lot better than they used to be i i always tend to think either the mincemeat meat is really dry or my pastry is so hard and tasteless it's disgusting um, so i have to drown them <laughs> in custard, which i don't always want to do so when it comes to mince pies and things like that you can make them yourself you can buy the gluten-free mincemeat that you enjoy and just to spice it up a little bit put in a little bit of port, a little bit of rum a little bit of whiskey whatever it is greater a little bit more nutmeg put in a little bit more cinnamon what you want to do is when you open it i tend to find that they're quite bland so we just need to add spice and a little bit of alcohol and then you will have the most incredible mincemeat you've ever ever tasted so um most supermarkets um certainly in our local health food shops they will always have them in the gluten-free ones and if you've got anything from last year And I know that there is a, you know, a sell by date, and oh my word, people are going to say you're so wrong for saying this. But do you know what? A lot of these things will be fine the following year. They will. Honestly, I've done it. We've been fine with it. I just put a big glug of alcohol in there and use them again. Uh, Can I just say it's an open, unopened tin from last year. (laughs) not one that you've opened it's been open in the fridge in the cupboard or the fridge for a year that's not what i mean at all so what i would say is whenever you're out and about if you see some gluten-free mincemeat grab it take it take it home and use some of the ideas that i've given you you know if you like things that are more citrusy then why don't you open that jar of mincemeat and Great. Put some of the zest in of lemon and orange, and just lift it up. If you love it with ginger, why don't you get some of the ginger, uh, the jar ginger in jars, and take some of the syrup and cut one of those balls of ginger up into tiny chunks and put some of that in. Like I said, cinnamon tiny 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 bit of clove be really really careful with cloves nutmeg just raise those spices in those mince in that mince meat and then you can put it in and make your own mince pies so i talk about how can we make our gluten-free journey and lifestyle better and i think that's about Looking at what's on the market and making it better. I know that you will make better steak pies. You will make better cherry pies than you can get out there. I really do. There are things that you can use to make life easier for you. Likewise, if you can't be bothered to, there is one apple pie that I would say is up there, and that is that Kirsty's Luxury Apple Pie. We have been eating this now for about three years. To the point where I always have a few boxes in the freezer. So when people come around, I will make that as, as a dessert and everybody just ooze and ahs over it. So as we come into later into autumn, I will share how I replicate those apple pies. And I'm just so happy that we're coming into apple season when we can start to get our British apples And uh, I have got some from my neighbours as well, from their little orchards. And I can't wait to use them and share some of those recipes with you. So gluten-free, Angela. It's almost a wrap. So this week it was all about how can we make pies. Honestly, just get into the kitchen and create a pie. Create a steak pie, a cherry pie, whatever you want. Just start to experiment and enjoy being gluten-free because you know what we can have some incredible stuff and i will be back next week sharing more of my hints and tips of how to live a beautiful gluten-free lifestyle and not feel as if you're missing out too much this is angela from gluten-free angela and i will see you soon thank you so much for spending the last few minutes with me you take care bye